This is the MBK Beat with Mark Kashevsky from MBK and Associates Inc. Your place for finding all you need to know about life insurance and how you can get more out of your money. Recorded live here in Buffalo, New York, it's time for the MBK Beat with Mark Kashevsky. Hey, folks, how are we doing today? We are here live with Mark Kashevsky. And this is episode three of the MBK Beat, where we talk all things life insurance here in Western New York and and just try to provide value to your portfolio. (coughs) So, Mark, I figured today we'll get right into it. I know you wanted to talk about long-term care insurance specifically today. So I guess we'll just get right into it. And what is long-term care insurance and and why should we be talking about it today? Well, long-term care insurance is often described as disability income for seniors, and it's uh, really a, a, a health insurance product that's designed to provide uh, funds for uh, senior long-term care issues, uh, home care, nursing homes, uh, assisted living, etc., uh, which people are pretty are pretty familiar with the fact that those those costs are significant. You know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month if you're in a long-term care facility. Uh, and they can literally uh, bankrupt uh, an estate or a family. And uh, people are approaching retirement. This becomes, you know, a concern. How am I going to fund that potential uh, risk, uh, that health risk, with a, that has a significant cost to it, and protect my my personal and estate assets for my spouse and my family? So that that's the genesis of why this developed uh, 10, 15 years ago. So this is actually, I was I was just thinking that this, as opposed to maybe some of the other life insurance policies, is actually probably more of a, a new thing with more people going into these facilities and that becoming more socially normal normalized. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's in this generation, the last 20 years, is when it's really become a, uh, uh, an issue both socially, politically, economically, insurance-wise. And there's been, you know, uh, an evolution of of, of d- how to deal with it. Uh, you have first-generation products that were designed to cover the cost, literally, of alert nursing home costs and cost benefits uh, that were designed by uh, a variety of insurance carriers. Uh, at the time, many of them had a fixed premium, and uh, those are no longer available. Uh, uh, and as time evolved... Uh, legislatures got involved because people were uh, moving assets, doing estate planning to protect assets so that Medicaid would cover, uh, uh, ultimately co- cover uh, the individual in a nursing home, uh, once, or a Medicare, I should say, once they reached a certain point and had no assets. Uh, and that was starting to come up a huge cost issue for both the federal and state governments. Uh, New York State, for example, uh, passed legislation uh, limiting what you could do to uh, transfer assets within a certain time period in anticipation of needing this type of of uh, coverage or you know uh, care long term mm-hmm. care. Uh, they also uh, developed a, a partnership plan for New York residents, where if you were to provide uh, this coverage for yourself and had to use it, uh, you know. Income and or assets would be protected. I believe um, at this at this point, uh, assets are protected. Not in, income can be used to 
you know, retirement income like Social Security still can be utilized for it to, to help pay for these long-term care expenses. But having said that, uh, over time, uh, as more and more people started utilizing these various coverages, insurance carriers realized that they had underestimated both the utilization rate and the cost uh, because they both gone up dramatically. So you had a lot of carriers who stopped issuing guaranteed premium contracts, stopped issuing contracts altogether, uh, and, and the in existing contracts, and I have I had a contract myself for four or five years. That every year I owned the contract, the premium started going up. And uh, I'm saying I may not need this coverage if at all for 20 years. What's it going to look like in 20 years? And and I've seen this happen to customers, clients of mine, where the premiums kept going up, and they had to make decisions to keep the coverage, to drop it, to change the benefits, and uh, 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 so it's led to you know. An additional uh, evolution in the marketplace from an insurance standpoint. Some of the things that I saw in, in a little bit of just some of the preliminary research was hybrid policies, where s- potential for you know maybe a beneficiary to receive a death benefit if you don't end up in long-term care. Is that something you've seen maybe an encounter to to less? Uh, less insurers providing these, is that sort of where that has gone, is to maybe change it up a little bit yeah, to the, well, some of those hybrids? Well, what you, the evolution of this product has gone from a standalone product, which is still available and people still buy it. Would that be the more traditional? That's the traditional long-term care policies, uh, to uh, hybrid policies where you're, they're basically taking a long-term care policy and combining it or stuffing it into a life insurance contract. And uh, what what that does is provide some stabil- premium stability, so you know what the premium is going to be long term. Um, and uh, I'll explain that in a minute uh, why that is so. Uh, but additionally, uh, the fact that if you don't use the benefit for long term care coverage, there's going to be a benefit paid to a beneficiary or a cash value that you can recover on your own if you want to get you know stop the coverage. So. There's the ability to get, uh, you know, you, there are three ways to get to get paid on this contract, either through a long-term care a claim, a death claim, or a recovery of premiums and or interest. So, or cash values. There are different contracts that do it differently. So, uh, uh, myself, I'll use it as an example. After about four or five years of having a traditional policy for my wife and I, which we were paying through our corporation, getting a tax deduction for it. Uh, uh, it was, I was done as my wife's insistence. I said, honey, this thing keeps going up. We're never going to be able to afford this. And there's a different way to solve this problem. So I took the premiums we were paying at the time, which I believe were between three and $400 a month each. And I said, we're going to take whatever these premiums are now, see how much life insurance we can buy with this premium, permanent life insurance, with a fixed premium. And uh, whatever that buys in a, as a benefit, that's what we're going to pay for. So it turned out, I believe we got we ended up with about $450,000 of life insurance coverage each. The long-term care rider was a 2% distribution rider, which means $9,000 a month, which will probably pay us for between four and five years. 
So that two percent, that would be a percent of total cost. Well, that's they, the way that the carrier I utilized said the long-term care benefit will be paid out if you qualify, which is the same qualification for a traditional long-term care policy. You will get. 2% of your death benefit a month until it's gone. Okay, so 2% of that death benefit would be allotted to long-term care. Right. So that, okay, that would be sort of one of these hybrid? Yeah, that's, it- that's, that's a typical hybrid approach. Okay. And it has the same definitions of disability, how you qualify. They, you know, we can, they, they have these activities of daily living definitions in these in all these contracts whether they're hybrid or standalone and if you can't perform two of the five you're you know in under care some kind you will get a benefit uh some of these contracts reimburse for payments others just are uh uh cash uh indemnity payments they just pay you once you qualify uh and you get the money up front so and and they can be traditional or hybrid but so we have a situation now where I'm putting money in every month, premiums, and uh, it's building up some cash, but that's not why I'm doing it, but there is cash in the policies. And in the event we need to use it, uh, I can collect up to 9000 a month, uh, each one of us, for a period of time. Now, you know, we've, uh, yeah, will that cover long-term, a long-term care stay? Probably not. A long-term care costs are between ten and 15000 a month now uh, in, in, in an actual long-term care facility. But, you know, we've, we've set up our, our home. We have a patio home now. We're on one floor. We can bring health care aides in. We can live, on, you know, live there for a long period of time. So, you know, and the, the, we designed this so we, if we need to bring someone in for the, those types of services, that'll probably, that, that, that benefit could last five or ten, you know, ten years. Uh, because you're not, it doesn't cost maybe nine thousand a month. And if it does, we've got that money. Or if it's over, then I'm, it's it's less of a hit on my personal assets. But I've got a fixed cost. I've got a benefit, uh, and I've got uh, 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 if I, if neither one of us uses it, uh, we've got something going to our kids. And then they get the 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 tradition more almost more traditional beneficiary life insurance right. standard benefit that I think most people think. And that I think is one thing that why why we're doing this podcast is really just to open up the viewers' eyes to the options and and creative strategies that they might have never even thought of because traditionally everyone thinks just death benefit to the kids or to the wife or who gets the will. Um, why why would someone want to start looking at this and when when like around what age would someone want to start thinking about this? Well, you know, typically I have people in, in their 50s and certainly in their 60s that this this percolates up to the, you know, front of the line in terms of their their uh, consciousness. Right. But uh, that's a very good question. I said the situation you see, you see, we I see couples, they have life insurance portfolios. They've had to save money, to pay for tuitions, uh, you know, to pay off debt. Uh, to replace family income if one of the spouses dies. It's traditional reasons for buying life insurance. And now all that's happened. And they say, okay, what do I want to do with this life? Why do I want to keep this life insurance? And oh, by the way, do I have to buy another policy here? You know, this is a whole separate issue, long-term care. 
And my approach to people is when I'm doing, you know, as you know, I like to do a lot of policy audits for people getting, you know, within five to ten years of retirement, saying, you know what, you may want to rethink what you're doing here and uh, reposition your existing life insurance that you've already been paying for and do an, as they call it, 1035 exchange and repurpose this insurance to address this issue. And oh, by the way, if you have existing life insurance with cash values in it, those are going to help reduce the cost going forward to provide this type of life insurance with a long-term care benefit. So I do a lot of, you know, restructuring of existing insurance to buy one of these hybrid policies with a long-term care rider in it. And as opposed to just starting fresh, you're just taking what you've already paid into repurposing it and reducing the real the cost that you otherwise would have to pay to get one of these policies. So would it actually benefit if somebody has been paying on one of these for years and they don't even really know, it actually helps potential new, as far as like their cost on the next policy or, or any adjustment policy, would it would it be fair to say that them paying over time actually helps that cost? Or well, yeah, if they if they have if they have prior credits, so to speak, from a prior policy, you're basically rolling that cash into this new contract, and it's it's going to offset. You don't lose it essentially. You lose you're not it. losing anything no, by, losing, by making an adjustment. No, you don't lose any cash. Uh, you just have to be insurable, uh, uh, and uh, assuming that's the case, yeah, you're you're basically you know restructuring something that outlived its useful life, so to speak, to continue to provide value, but because you paid into it for so many years prior to this, the new contract's going to be less to solve this long-term care problem than it otherwise would, and you don't lose any of the cash, you roll over. Right. I think that might be a, a misconception amongst the, you know, the, the person who may not know of all these details is just, well, if I had agent x at uh you know company x they may think that you know it's not their money that this 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 person whereas it's their money it's their money you know it doesn't matter who who you're working with at this company it is your money that you've been paying on they just happen to have it right now yeah well and you know some carriers like to hold on to that money but the reality is it's your money and so you know the old set it and forget it deal or you know get rid of it when i'm done with this that's a whole the marketplace and the product options, as we've talked about before, are so myriad and diverse now, like what we're talking about now, uh, with these new hybrid products. You really, you know, you need to take, kind of look at what you have and see what's the best way forward, given where, you know, what are the issues I want to address. So that, you know, that's, that's one approach. Uh, that's why people are looking at hybrid policies and why, uh, you know, you can repurpose existing insurance. But I do want to point out two other things that, you know, two other scenarios I run into. One of them is, and I've been looking at a case right now, someone's got an existing long-term care policy, a physician. They want to know, Mark, what should I do with this? I said, well, you know, I don't know. Let me take a look at it. I don't know. She may have had this forever. It may have a fixed premium. If she does, it's liquid gold. I'd keep it because uh, it was probably very inexpensive. And they can't change the rules because they can't turn it up, turn up that dial on her at any time. No, so you know I haven't seen the policy yet, but so the, you run into those situations, or one like my wife and I, where you know right from the get go they were raising premiums, and I said, wait a minute, after four or five of these, you say, you know, what? Yeah, 
like, yeah, what's going years, on what's here? What's going on here? <laughs> uh, so you have you know, people with existing coverage, uh, traditional long-term care coverage, uh, you may want to look at relative to what I just, uh, you know, expounded on. And then, um, then the, you know, for uh, higher net worth people, uh, they, they take a different view of this, saying, you know, listen, how about if I, I want to protect my assets? I mean, I probably have enough money to maybe take care of this with my own assets. And my approach to them is this. I said, you know, if we could just, re, you know, move the jet deck chairs on the Titanic, so to speak, <laughs> make, go from the left to the right, right hand without sacrificing any of your liquidity, but in the process of doing that, provide a benefit so you wouldn't have to spend your assets down, would that make some sense? Right. And that makes a lot of sense to people who have money. And you have, so what you have now is you have uh, on a, on another type of a hybrid product that's a single premium product, okay, a variety of very good carriers have, where if you take a lump sum of money, whether it's 100000 200000 500000 a million, you move it from your bank account, okay, you move it over to this insurance policy, and it's completely liquid. Or in some cases, completely liquid. In some cases, 70 to 80% liquid. Meaning you can... You have the... You can... Take it out the next day. Right. But, uh, and that money's always going to be there, okay? And, it, and uh, if it doesn't have 100% liquidity from day one, eventually it will. So you're going to have all, you're, you're going to have, that cash is always going to be available to you from, an, you know, a cash or investment standpoint or liquidity standpoint. But uh, in lieu of paying you, you know, interest on that money, you're going to get immediately a long-term care benefit that increases over time. And if you need it, you'll get to use the long-term care benefit, all right? And if you don't use up all your assets, you'll get that money back. Your kids will. If you do use it up, then uh, it'll continue on. Or if you don't use it, that money's going to be paid to somebody that you invested in this contract. So it's, a, it's, it's more of a... Uh, it's a different strategy than what I've said before, but it's just basically moving assets, foregoing earnings on those assets to get a benefit, uh, and if you don't use the benefit, your liquidity comes back to your state. Yeah, and essentially, if someone did have that type of money, you know, higher income people might just think, if it happens, i got to go, whatever, yeah, you know, we've got enough money in this estate, but it's... It may seem that way to someone with that money, but to someone that doesn't have that money, it would be a no-brainer. Considering, you know, these uh, you can you could probably squeeze that hundred hundred thousand dollars that might come out of pocket for long-term care or having someone come to the house to take care of you when your your kids are older. Where could that money go that might serve your family yeah. better? Well, ex- well, exactly. The, the when you look at the numbers, and and you know, I want to get too. Into, into detail, but you know, if someone takes a, a couple hundred thousand or five hundred thousand and moves it over here, they're getting multiple dollars of benefits. You know, two uh, five hundred thousand gets you two million or two and a half million dollars of long-term care coverage. So you're not just not a dollar for dollar trade-off. Right. So uh, for putting that money uh, over here, still having liquidity, you're shifting a significant. It's a multi- It's almost a multiplier of what it could go to home health care right. or long term. You know, care. it's kind of like, do you want to self insure your car insurance uh, or not? Well, you know, 
people with assets have high deductibles, $500, a 1000 maybe 5000 This is the same thing, okay? Because that deduct, that portion of, if you do use it, a portion of that cash is going to be all of it used up. But, you know, if you go beyond that deductible, so to speak, okay, uh, you've got multiples of benefit if you need it. So uh, for people, you know, people who uh, typically with assets that, you know, uh, here's a way to keep liquidity, basically have a high deductible, but, you know, if you go beyond the money you've segregated for this, you're going to have a lot more benefit. And the logic, it's, it's the same logic as, you know, uh, why people who have significant liquidity, you know, use high deductibles on, on other types of personal coverage. Yeah, that, I mean, things are starting to make sense to even me as a, as a novice here. So I think, you know, well, good, I'm, is, I'm doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, this is, I Hopefully. think, yeah, I think this is, you know, been, been very successful. And I think, again, just to sort of restate why we're, we're doing this is, it's it's hard to put on a website or put on a, a you know a, a piece of paper all of these things and the best thing to do would be talk to an agent but even specifically in my research a, an article from AARP uh, former editor of Money Magazine says as for where to shop you know who to go to seek out an independent agent who sells policies for multiple companies rather than a single insurer and I thought that was a you know, pretty spot on with what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's you know, there, there, there. There's more than one carrier out there, uh, both in the hybrid, in the standalone. There's a f- only a few left, by the way, uh, but in the hybrid market, there's several carriers, uh, and also in these single premium asset transfer strategies, uh, you've got some very good carriers out there uh, that have some very good products, and they're all fairly similar. Um, but yeah, and you know. Uh, pricing's fairly similar. Uh, uh, the, the issue is, you know, different carriers, you know, some people are better at underwriting the risk than others in terms of your health, in terms of ratings, because that factors into the ultimate cost. It's not just, here's what the price is for this. You know, what classification do you fit in uh, for for the life insurance and the long-term care? And by the way, one other comment I want to make from an underwriting standpoint is, you know how can they how how can you stabilize the premium in a life insurance contract uh, as opposed to a standalone contract when you still have the same risk? Well, when you stuff a life insurance a long term care benefit into a life insurance contract, the underwriters ultimately uh, uh, underwriting your mortality. And they so, dictate sort of what yeah that dictates what the price is going to be. Okay, um, the. The because and by the way, uh, actuaries are very good in insurance companies because they've been doing it for over hundred years, being able to predict mortality, much better than morbidity. In other words, what's your chance of using this for long-term care? The only difference with you know when you put a long-term care contract in, and they have to look at morbidity, uh, it's really just a discounting. How much do we have to discount the cash in the policy to provide this, or how much? Do we have to add some additional cost to p- provide this given any health issues? So it's you know they're they're tinkering at the margins from a pricing standpoint when when the main uh, objective is to price the mortality as opposed to the morbidity. So it becomes much more predictable, and that's why you're seeing uh, essentially the whole marketplace gravitating to this to this approach. And does that that morbidity mortality 
with regards to age, is that is that why someone may be better off getting into something like this earlier in life? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point, Greg. Uh, the the uh, before age sixty, uh, it, it's it's less of an issue in terms of looking at cognitive issues. Once you get above sixty, they take a much closer look at that. Uh, so that's you know. Uh, uh, but then again, you still have to, you know, you still have to be able to, you know, put your shoes on and, you know, uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, uh, what have you, but, uh, 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 things get a little more, uh, involved at after age 16. Is there anything that people should know, uh, as far as, you know, once again, I've got, you know, maybe an, an existing policy, but. You know, is there any reason why someone shouldn't look into something like this or maybe something else? Why is there anything that would maybe uh just sort of this wouldn't fit for someone out there that maybe this wouldn't fit for, or is this just Well anybody who's between fifty and sixty who's thinking, What do I need to what should I be doing with my insurance or I'm starting to do you know, pre retirement planning and anybody who's doing you know, trying to get their ducks in a full role for retirement, it's not just about insurance and about investments. Uh, and, you know, where you're going to live. It's also, you know, what about my long-term care issues? Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially right now with, with you know, obvious health being probably very, <laughs> you know, a primary concern for right. a lot of people around around the world. Right. I will, that, you bring up a good point with the COVID situation right now that uh, 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 insurance carriers are writing people uh, either up to age 65 now or 70. It depends on the carriers. But... Some carriers are saying if you're above 65 or 70, we'll underwrite you, but we're not going to issue the policy until this COVID epidemic is over. So that's, yeah. That's a very good point. That's interesting. Oh, uh, if I can make one comment relative to my website. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do, uh, uh, you know, you've put up uh, on my planning ideas in these long-term care planning strategies, both the hybrid and the single premium strategies. I think I've got some information and examples up on my website if people want to look there. Yeah, that's at um, mbkinc.co, so mbkinc.co. You can find a lot of information on there. Um, phone number, where can they reach you if they uh, want to give you a call? Office is 716-855-1600. That's my office number, not my cell. Uh, and our, our, our email is, uh, my email is mbk at mbkinc.co. But that's where you can reach us, or you can go through our website and connect with us there. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's some there's there's some information and examples on this whole uh, issue uh, on my website. So that's long-term care. I think we'll put a wrap on Episode 3, and we will see you folks in a few weeks where we'll be talking a little bit more about life insurance and and what you could be doing here in Western New York. So thanks, Mark. I appreciate your time today. I'm, I'm learning a lot here. Great, good. We'll get your license soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Take care. Happy holidays. Thank you, Mark.